Good morning, everyone. Good morning, For those of you who do not know me, my name is Noel. I'm one of the elders here at Well of Life. I have a word that God has given me today that I want to just bring to you. It's from Luke chapter 5. So Luke chapter 5, there is this passage where a paralyzed man comes for healing. And because they couldn't make way, the man is brought from the ceiling down because there was a lot of crowd around Jesus. And as Jesus sees him, he says, your sins are forgiven. And God brought that word on my heart. And I had this sense that today, God wants us to express that desperation, just like that paralyzed man who couldn't make way for him to meet Jesus. And he was brought down from the ceiling. And secondly, what I felt God doing is that as the word of God is ministered to us today, and the desperation that we express to God, he's not only going to heal us, he's going to make us whole and use us for his purpose. So my prayer today for all of you is that as the word of God is ministered through such today, that we will be bold enough in expressing that desperation, and God will not only heal us, but make us whole and use us for his purpose. I have a question for you. Um, we sang today a lot about God moving in power. That last song, This is the House of Miracles. How many of you still believe that God does miracles today? All right, we've got about six or seven here. I heard two yeses here. Let me try on this side. It might maybe a little more success. How many of you believe that God still does miracles? Amen. Yes, we got a few more amens here. See, um, even Noel, what Noel shared at the top, he came and shared this with me in the morning, uh, just before pre-service prayers. I told him, man, I need you to share that story. This story of a paralytic being brought by his friends, they break the roof, they drop him into the presence of Jesus, and Jesus works what Jesus does best. Heals him, forgives his sin, he gets up and he walks. And uh, if you fly into Coimbatore Airport in India, which is like, I don't know, first time I went there, I was like, wow, this is a large airport. And then from there, though, we, flew, we drove four hours, kind of in the direction of rural nowhere. We kind of went... <laughs> there. And uh, four hours later, we reached this tiny little village called Hassan where we were ministering. And uh, we had such a wonderful time there. I do love the church there. I love the fact that God's doing great things there, young couple leading. And it's just beautiful to see what God is doing in their midst. But on this one occasion, we were in a room that was uh, kind of designed to fit maybe 20 people at a pinch. But somehow or another, they'd managed to squeeze 50 people also in there. Talk about miracles happening. India is great at that. And uh, they just squeezed these people into this room. And uh, I was the visiting pastor, so I had a chair. Most of the others sat on the floor, right? And uh, which was great because at my age and my knees, uh, that's always a good thing to have a chair. But uh, before we started, somebody comes up to me and says, can you, there's a man downstairs. This is on the first floor of the building. It's kind of a low, low-rise building. And... Uh, the man downstairs is paralyzed. Can you come and pray for him? So like all good pastors do, right? I said, yeah, of course we'll go pray for him. After we're done here, it's on the way out. we we'll go pray for him. And, uh, but those people were, they're, they're an impatient bunch, eh? So they put him on a chair. They carried him up the stairs. And then they brought him and put him in front of me. Now there's two chairs there. I'm seated in one. This man's seated in the other. No pressure at all. <laughs> right? And... Uh, his, he couldn't walk, and he couldn't raise his right arm. 
his wife has to, when he sat down, his arm kind of just dropped aside and his wife had to take his arm and put it on his lap like that. And, uh, and they say, would you pray for him? And so I said, yeah, I can do that. Let's talk about Jesus first. And I shared this same story that Noah brought to you today. I shared that story with him and I said, because Jesus asked that man a question. Right? Uh, doesn't, he, he doesn't ask questions. He actually commands, he forgives his sin and then causes him to get up and walk. And he says, so I asked him the question, who do you think can forgive sin? Can a man do that or is that God's prerogative? And he says, yeah, that's what God would do. So I said, do you believe then that Jesus is the representation, the Son of God, come here in flesh. He's a part of the Godhead and he can heal you today. And the man says, yes, he can. And so we shared the gospel with him. We talked about Jesus and we prayed for him. And then I asked him, do you mind raising your right hand? And out of sheer habit, his wife goes across to raise his hand. And I said, no, no, not you. I want him to raise his hand. And he does that. That's a good place to actually say, well done, God. And uh, then God did another miracle. I took a few steps back, and those 50 people parted like the seas, right? That's the next miracle. And we created a little space in the middle, and I asked that man, I said, can you get up and walk towards me? Now, here's an interesting thing. He had something tied on his ankle. And his wife says, no, that's to ward off evil spirits, because I think that his paralysis is something that an evil spirit has done or attacked him or whatever, and asked, can you remove that? She says, no, she's like adamant, we're not going to remove it. The local pastor tries to, you know, scold her a little bit, and I said, no, that's okay, let it be. Because I think God's bigger than that. He's more powerful than that. And uh, so we prayed, and we asked him, said, step back, and I said, can you walk to me? And he gets up and he walks towards me. And uh, here's the interesting thing. In that little space that we made, he started walking, but he's dragging that one leg that's tied. God healed that man that day. And the question is this. Do you believe that God wants to do the same thing here today? See, the room there, India's proper praise. They know how to praise properly. They just erupted in praise. That place became just this chaotic noise of praise towards God. In biblical terminology, we have three words that are presented to us uh, as the work of God. One of those words is signs, which indicate that it's, it's, it points to something else other than itself. The other one is a wonder, which is an event or occurrence that causes people to be amazed and astonished. And then the third word that is used is miracle, almighty work, an act displaying great power, especially with reference to divine power. These are the words that scripture uses and gives to us to lend language to what God can and does do in our midst today. When Grudem tells us this, he defines it as a miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. See, right across scripture, we see that God uses miracles in a way that gets people's attention and points to himself and creates an avenue or a pathway through which the gospel is preached. You find, even if you look at just the book of Acts, there are at least 17 miracles listed there that lead to conversion, that lead to people 
declaring God as sovereign and surrendering their lives to him. At least 17, born out of miracles. And we can see that signs, wonders, and miracles had a role to play in edifying, building up the, the word church, the early church, and aiding in evangelism in that time. The question is whether you and I see good reason today to trust that God wants to, is willing to, and able to do the same through us. There's three things I want to place before you today. The first one of this, first one is this, that miracles are indeed for today. Miracles are for today. It's not a thing of the past, it's for today. Paul, right into the church in Galatia, clearly points out that God was working miracles in their midst. Now, theologians tell us that at the time of Paul writing to this letter to the church in Galatia, there were no apostles in their presence at that time. This is the local church meeting and gathering to worship God. And Paul says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing its faith? So God is clearly moving within this church, within this small local community. He goes on perhaps more significantly in writing to the Corinthian church. He says this. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 10 says this. To another, the working of miracles. He's speaking about the gifts of the Spirit. And he says, God gives his gifts and he describes them. And then he says, one of them is to another, he gives the working of miracles. This is and he, said, he goes on to say, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Can you see that the working of miracles is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the church? As you go down further, I'm reading from verse 27, he says this, Now you, well of life, now you. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, God has appointed in well of life, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles. Can you see how these all are part of the gifting of the Holy Spirit? Then gifts of healing, helping, administration, the various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. So the working of miracles is something that God does within the context of the local church. That's you and I, people. That means that God still wants to do this in our lives. What's apparent here is that firstly, miracles are from God. They're a gift of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, it seems that it would be normal for us to expect miracles in the life of the church today. That seems to be normal for us. In his book, Counterfeit Miracles, theologian B.B. Warfield points out that very thing. And he tells us, as he unpacks this same text from Corinthians, he tells us something powerful here. He says that everyone, apparently it seems from this text, that everyone had some kind of miraculous gift, some gift to exercise within the church. He also says this, there's no reason to believe that the infant congregation at Corinth was singular in this. The apostle does not write as if he were describing a marvelous state of affairs peculiar to that church. The hints in the rest of his letters and in the book of Acts require us accordingly to look upon this beautiful picture of Christian worship 
as one which would be true to life for any of the numerous congregations planted by the apostles. The exception would be not a church with, but a church without such gifts. I'll repeat that last line. The exception is not the church with miracles happening. The exception is the church without. Miracles, signs and wonders are meant to be a part of the normal everyday practice of the church. And it's clear, it's perfectly clear from the text that in the early church, the gospel was authenticated through signs, wonders, and miracles. But the question I'm asking you today is, was it true only for the early church? Is that true for us today? Which brings me to the second thing I want to say, that God, as he does this, it's a sign that God wants to reveal himself to us. You've heard testimonies of God's goodness. You heard a testimony of God's healing power. In fact, you heard two, as we shared little Judah's story as well. Three, if you count Evan's story. And that's just in the last two weeks that we've seen this. God is busy. But miracles don't save people. Miracles only get people's attention. They don't save people. The gospel saves people. It's the good news of Jesus that saves people. Paul puts it like this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He's writing to the Roman church right at the start, chapter 1, verse 16. He says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is what saves us. See, if you're going, say you're going on a holiday, say you're going off to Russell Kaiman, you're going to stay at the Double Tree Hilton. As you go along on your holiday and you're heading towards the hotel, you'll find the sign that says, take a right here or take a left here, depending on which side you're coming from, to get to the Double Tree Hilton. Do you stop and camp at the sign and go, wow, what a great holiday. This is a great place. I'm going to stay at this sign. I love it. This sign is amazing. It's air conditioned. Or do you continue? to the place that the sign points you to. See, when God moves, it is telling us, don't camp there. Go beyond that and meet the one who does the miracle. Don't enjoy the miracle just for itself. The man that I spoke about earlier, is, he experienced the power of God. He enjoyed heaven coming down to earth, breaking into his life, setting him free, and causing him to walk but he didn't give his life to Jesus. The next day, I sent the local pastor to go see him, and he said, he's walking in his garden, but he wasn't interested in the gospel. He stopped at the sign. He didn't go beyond that. Friends, there's a mandate upon our lives to carry the message of the gospel. That's our responsibility. Signs, wonders, and miracles, that's God's responsibility, but I'll be ready to trust for those today. Are we ready to trust and believe that God will accompany the word, the preaching of the gospel, with signs and wonders and miracles? Because he wants to confirm his word. See, just because that man didn't accept Jesus, he didn't take anything away from who Jesus is. He still remains the son of God. He still remains God in the flesh, God incarnate. He still remains a part of the triune Godhead. And Paul reminds the church of this, writing again to the Roman church. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, the power of the gospel, by word and deed, 
by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to an unpronounceable name, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Even as we go through the series on evangelism, friends, I'm asking you this question. Are you ready and willing to open your heart and mind to allow God to step in and work in you and through you so that the gospel is preached effectively and powerfully? Now, I asked you this question at the beginning. Do you believe that God can still do this? And many of you said yes. But I'm going to ask you that question again. See, because up to this point, perhaps there's a mental lesson, there's an agreement with the text, with what we are saying. You can agree with me. In, in your mind, you can say, Sajj, that's absolutely right. I see that in Scripture. That's real. That's true. I, I agree with that. I believe that. But there's a part of you that might be going, but I don't think it's for me. I'm not sure I'm that person. Because the question I'm asking is this, really. Can God work miracles in you and through you? That's the question. Can he use you to work his power and exercise his powerful, powerful presence, demonstrate it through your life in a way that opens the channel, opens the doorway for the gospel to be preached? Can he do that? And the, question, the answer to that is really yes. But also, it requires from you courage and boldness to say, I will open myself out to this. I will allow God to do this because it takes courage to actually step forward and say something. Today in the morning, Petra brought a word of knowledge. And uh, there was someone in the room. We prayed for that person. We trusted God will continue to work and heal and bring completion to what he has declared. But the point is this. Are you willing to be that person who steps out and says, I feel like God is saying this? <laughs> I remember once, and this is not in my notes, so bear with me for a few seconds. We were at a prayer meeting here. And I felt God say these two words to me. Lulu Hypermarket and Bungee Cord. That's not great. That's not a great word. But I'm not afraid to be a fool for God. I'm not afraid to look like an idiot. I'd rather do that than later on be found to be walking in disobedience. And so I shared that. And guess what? Nobody came. How do you think I felt at the time? Remember? <laughs> I didn't feel great. But afterwards, someone came and said, I lived there. And I've been dealing with this couple who are struggling in their marriage. And it feels like they're kind of in a yo-yo thing. Love you, hate you, divorce, no divorce. And they need someone to speak into their lives. That word is for them. Can you pray with me for them? However ridiculous it might sound like, you got to do it. We were in Hassan again, and this little girl comes up. She's been born mute. Hasn't said a word in her life. Just born that way. And we prayed for her. That evening I met her dad, and he said, for the first time, she called me Appa. For the first time. Would you allow yourself to be courageous and bold enough to say, I'll do those things that God is calling? Because the question, are you ready, is answered by this. Miracles are for you. They're for you. God wants to do miracles in your life. He wants to do miracles through your life. They're for you, and they're through you if you would only allow for it. God can and does desire to do it.
The problem is this. You remember what I said about mental asin? Because sometimes there is a part of us deep within us, and you don't need to put your hand up for this. I have been in that place of thinking, yeah, God, you can do that. But in my heart, like, really, God, this is impossible. Can this man walk? I remember praying for someone the other day, uh, not the other day, sometime back, and uh, I just, Michelle was standing behind that lady, and uh, I just put my hand on her. I actually didn't say anything. I just put my hand on her. Michelle was standing behind her just to support me. She goes flying and takes three chairs with her. I don't know what God was busy doing. But can you be bold enough? I remember praying for another girl. She started manifesting demons. I'm praying, but in my mind, I'm going, Lord, I think I'm going to the next person now. <laughs> I'm afraid. Like, will you bite my ankle? I don't know. Right? But can you be in that place of saying, I want to be used of God because he wants to? In his book, Power Healing, John Wimber says this, most Christians recognize the more obvious anti-Christian influences of secularism materialistic lust and sexual promiscuity. Nevertheless, they're affected by secularism in other ways. One way is that they find it difficult to accept supernatural intervention, especially physical healing in the material universe. It is not enough to give mental assent to it. It takes courage and boldness to take a step and say, I will walk in obedience to this. And I dare say, this is not a criticism from John Wimber. It's a challenge to examine our hearts and see if we live with the understanding that God still can and does work and perform miracles and then also live with the expectation that it will be through you. Can we do that today? Why do I say through you? Paul writing to the Corinthian church says this, to each, that is to you, that's to you, to each one of us is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the spirit of the utterance of wisdom. Maybe a word of knowledge like the one that Peter brought in the morning service. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Do you see that line? The working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Friends, this is for you. This is for well of life. You remember the song, well of life? Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive. This is for you. And if you don't believe me, here's what Jesus has to say about it in the Gospel of Mark. He says, these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Who will it accompany? You and I. If you believe in the name of Jesus, these signs will accompany you in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. What you see here is that the power... The power to exercise spiritual gifts is the common possession of every believer. The power to exercise spiritual gifts is the common possession of every believer. So whether it is a word of knowledge like Morgan in the Spinney's queue waiting for checkout, she has a word of knowledge and she shares it with someone. Can we be that courageous? Can we be that bold to say, I feel like God is saying this to someone you've never met who's standing in a checkout queue? Maybe it can be something as 
dramatic as the deaf child that Rob healed just as he was packing up to finish ministry and head out from Zimbabwe. Maybe it is that lame man that God causes to walk because of your prayer. Maybe it is Evan healed this morning. Judah healed last week. Sherbat healed after coming up for prayer last Sunday. Can God use you? Will you be unafraid, bold and courageous to pray those prayers? I would much rather pray for a hundred people and God heals one than pray for nobody and God heals none.